Welcome to the Dietitian's Dish Podcast. We are Gina and Nicole, two dietitian mamas and good friends living in Ohio and Michigan. This is a podcast dedicated to making whole family wellness more fun and less stressful. Whether you're listening in the car or slumped on the couch with a glass of wine, welcome. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. I'm Nicole. And I'm Gina. And today we are dishing up, I don't know, Q&A number seven, eight, nine. I don't even know. Something like that. (laughs) Something (laughs) like that. But first, a little catching up. Gina, what's going on? All right. So we did a whole episode on my highly sensitive child page. This was a long, long time ago. And here I thought that maybe Cameron was not highly sensitive, but I'm starting to think that actually he is, but in a different way. Okay. So never was I able to bring Paige to a group class of anything and and have her just go in and do the class. She clung to me for dear life. In fact, she still does. Her friend had a party on Sunday and she her best friend, like her absolute best friend. They are attached at the hip at school. In fact, so much so that they get in trouble. Mm-hmm. She had a party with lots of friends and Paige just clung to me the whole time. Oh. I felt so bad. That's just how she is. And I, I always thought maybe Cameron wasn't like that because he usually jumps right in and just goes right into the group whenever I bring him to group activities. And that's what he did on his his first soccer uh, practice. But when they had to do the warm up where they skip down about like maybe 10 feet and then run back and then, uh, I don't know, jump down. So basically they're just warming up their body by running or jumping or skipping like 10 feet and then coming back. He, first of all, he was the only one doing it correctly. All the other kids were just running and not skipping and he was actually skipping. So he was one of the last kids and he noticed that and he was super embarrassed. So he ran to me and clung to me then for the rest of the time. So. I, he's not the same sensitivity in that he doesn't like to be around a, a group of people, but he is very competitive is what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, because the moment he didn't come in first, he just was so angry and said, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not good at this. Oh, gosh. So I'm like, Nick, you bring him. I had Paige with me, too. The first class was fine. It was the second one that was kind of a, a failure. Um Anyway, so Nick's going to start bringing him. I think I think he'll he'll do better maybe with with Nick and without Paige being there. Speaking of Paige, she so she's doing private swim lessons. In fact, I had just the last Friday was her last one, and I, the goal, I, like I said on this podcast, was to leave lessons having being comfortable with her jumping into the deep end and either doggy paddling or getting to her back, uh, or even just you know swimming to the side. So at her last class, she jumped into the deep end. It was about 12 feet and she doggy paddled and she got on her back and she floated and she was perfect. Very happy about that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yes. So I'll probably sign her up for more swim lessons down the road, but we're just going to take a little break for now. Uh, on Wednesday of this week, I'm starting the last step of my intuitive eating certification with Elise Resch. It's just going to be a live, uh, basically simulated consultation, I guess. There's three of them. I am a little bit nervous. I'm not going to lie. It's not just me and her. I actually paid for the one that's going to be in a group setting. So I think it's me, her, and maybe two or three other people, which I think actually makes me feel a little bit better. Um, But yeah, I'm, I'm nervous, excited for sure. And then also, this is so, so random. I just, before coming down here to podcast, got uh, an Amazon package and (laughs) okay. So I, I've decided, okay, I have really curly, frizzy hair and I've been doing some research on the the curly girl method or something. I forget what it's called. 
but it's this method of doing your hair so it doesn't get frizzy and it's like nice curls. Okay. And they always, everywhere, every site that I read, they suggest sleeping with a scarf so you don't like mess up your hair and mm-hmm. rub it up against your pillow when you're sleeping. And it makes sense. So I bought a scarf to wear to bed. <laughs> so I put it on and I'm like, I said, I said, Nick, are you still going to love me when I have this scarf on my head, when I have my sleep mask, when I have my zip meds and my retainer? <laughs> I mean, just imagine this. He's like, yeah, I'll still love you. But I yeah, you're basically look an old lady. <laughs> it's actually a really hard cute. to get on. It's actually, I, I don't even think it's meant for necessarily wearing to bed on your head. It's actually like a really cute scarf that I might even wear out like around my, I don't know, in my hair as a, like a ponytail or even as a belt or around my neck. I don't know. I never wear scarves around my neck, but my mom seems to pull it off and she's pretty hip. It's, it's not hard to get on. No, you just, it's, it's basically, it's basically like a bandana. That's what it is. It's a bandana, but it's really, really stylish and cute. I think you should take a picture and post it on our Instagram. I might. Okay. I might. <laughs> I mean, zip heads and your sleep mask and retainer are, I mean, you should just go big. Wait, wait, wait. I'm not, I'm not posting that. I'll post a picture in the scarf. <laughs> My zits have been really good though lately. I don't know. I I don't know what has happened, but I it, it's like they're gone. I maybe all of a sudden that uh, retinol that I've been using has started to work because I need to knock on wood here. I there was a while there where I where I literally felt like a preteen. It was so embarrassing. Thankfully, my mask carried or covered all of them, mm-hmm. but I I shouldn't say embarrassing. I'm I'm not embarrassed about zits. It's not something to be embarrassed about, but it does make me feel just like anyone would agree, bad about myself. I just don't feel pretty when I have giant zits all over my face. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've, I've dealt with that my entire life. So I'm just, I'm just over it. Um, but finally, finally, I think that I'm at a good place in my skincare routine, which we'll talk about on an upcoming episode, actually. Yeah. Somewhat upcoming. Zits and more. <laughs> zits and more. <laughs> all right. What about, wait, baby fever? Okay. I just noticed that. So what's going on? Well, it's funny. So you are talking about And I would say, so in social situations, your kids, your kids are, they want to be near you in social situations. Yeah. Okay. My kids are the exact opposite. For example, we took them out for dinner for the first time. It was to a bar. Okay. Like a dinner place that has a pool table. And we turn our back for a second and the two, my girls are on top of the pool table. I'm like, oh my God. And this on top woman, of the pool table? On top of the pool table. And this oh. woman who works, she comes over and she's like, excuse me, your children are on the, are on the pool table. I was so embarrassed. Oh my it's gosh. like, they're calling, you know, COVID kids, Gen Gen C. I swear these what? kids. Yes. It's like a thing. They don't know how to like behave in public because they haven't been in public for <laughs> a year. And I, I see it very clearly. But it's also in the past, I would say six months. There's been a shift where I want my kids, I want and need them, it seems, mm-hmm. more than they want and need me. Um, mm-hmm. They just, on the weekends, they will disappear for hours at a time. Um, after school, I'm like, how are you? How's your day? And they're like, eh. They just mm-hmm. like disappear. I'm like, mm-hmm. I keep telling Mark, I'm like, I need a baby. Like, I need, I need someone to need me. Like, I'm just not needed or wanted for the first time in a long time. And it's very... It's I just wasn't expecting that shift. And I think wow. because they have each other and they're super close, which is beautiful. Um, 
they they're just like a little team and it just leaves me. I don't know. So I yeah. I feel like I don't have young children anymore for the first time. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine that being hard. I, I uh, but at the same time, a part of me is jealous because I, I don't have that mm-hmm. and I wish I did. So you always want what you don't have, right? I I feel like my kids are way too clingy and I wish they would be, be more independent. Um, they do find out. In fact, we went out to a restaurant the other day with actually a, a good size group um, that most of them were vaccinated and all that. And, and it wasn't huge. It was literally like six of us, but uh, we had a private room and I just literally plugged the kids into the iPad, which is something that I never do, but that's all I do anymore. Whenever we go out to restaurants is give them the iPad because I just want to relax. And every that's the only time they see their iPad mm-hmm. is either on vacation trips or at restaurants. And I don't even care. Um, but anyway, going back to it. So tell me this though. Are you really considering having another no. one? No. Okay. Mark had a vasectomy. That's never going to happen. That's right. That's right. Um, but <laughs> I don't know. I, you know how some women say, oh, I just, I know I'm done. I never had that done feeling. And mm-hmm. now I'm old and Mark had a vasectomy. It's not going to happen. I realize yeah. this, but mm-hmm. I, I just was hoping, I mean, Piper's only four. I was really hoping mm-hmm. she kind of needed me a little bit longer. She does. She does She's, still I need know. you. I know. Just not as much as I'd like in the ways that I'd like. <laughs> but they are sure. so independent. I mean, even Piper at four, I will wake up in the morning because we have this firm, you know, can't get up till seven. And I posted on my stories not too long ago, like, how can I help her stay in her room? Because she was joining me at five o'clock um, in my bed. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, go to your bed. So, But she at four will get herself dressed and Gina, the combos some days, I'm like, whoa, I mean, <laughs> patterns with stripes and it's just, oh, yeah. it's not good. Um, but I don't uh-huh. say anything because she's doing it herself and she's so proud. Um, but I, she will get up in the morning, do all of that herself. And she's like playing quietly in her room. I'm like, and she can't tell me how long she's been up for. She'll just say, oh, a long time. I'm like, <laughs> but she seems fine. I don't know. And then on the weekends, they just get up and help themselves to granola and milk and they're downstairs hanging out. Anyway, it's just oh really gosh. crazy. Yeah. Wow. They're, they're just really independent. And I love that about them, but I wish they needed me a little bit more. I mean, not yeah. between the hours of 5 and 7 a.m., but like other times. <laughs> so, you anyway. guys did did too good of a job raising strong, independent women. Well, I, we, I don't I know about you. that. But <laughs> I think, you know, the Montessori approach is interesting um, and and definitely helped. And I would say I'm a pretty hands off parent. And I would see I would say that that's definitely. uh, Yeah, I can see it now. They're like the reflection of your hands offness. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, All right. Gina, that's it. That's it. Yeah. All right. Well, before we begin, just a quick favor to ask. If you like this podcast, please write us a review. Reviews on iTunes are everything to us and they really help us reach more people. So, of course, we'd appreciate it very much. Yeah. So a few times a year, we love to field your questions that we can kind of reflect and respond to. So the questions answered today come from you, our listeners. And, you know, these episodes tend to be some of our most popular. So thank you for both listening along and submitting questions. And if you're tuning in thinking of a question for Gina and I or something comes to mind, nothing off limit, folks, please send it our way. You can email it to us at dietitiansdishpodcast at gmail.com or send it over on Facebook or Instagram. So let's get started. Uh, all right. Number one, it says my one-year-old loves chicken sausages and lunch meat. I buy the expensive nitrate-free kinds. I know they're high in sodium, 
but is there any other reason I should quote limit them? Mm-hmm. Do you know you um, can take this first and I'll I'll add a bit at the end. Yeah. Cameron too loves chicken sausages. He could live off of them. And so does my husband, actually. <laughs> but I've convinced them both that they probably need to limit their intake. In fact, Nick is now addicted to the Morning Star breakfast sausage patties. That's what he that's his go-to now. They are so good. They're so good. All right. So I, I really did learn a lot when I was a diehard, and I know I've mentioned this before, Nutrition Action Newsletter Reader. It's written by the Center for Science and the Public Interest. Uh, and I actually just renewed my subscription for it recently. I know I talked about it on the last episode. It's kind of weight loss heavy, which irks me, but there's otherwise some pretty good information in there. Basically, processed meat, period, is considered a probable carcinogen specifically because it increases your risk for colon cancer and possibly others. So more research needs to be done. And while research is still ongoing, the combination of protein, salt, and nitrates found in processed meats is likely the reason for the increased risk. Now, I know the the person who asked this question says that she or he buys the nitrate-free kind. Well, here we go. Back in December of 2020, the Center for Science and the Public Interest petitioned for prohibiting the misleading claims of nitrate-free or free of synthetic nitrates or uncured because they falsely indicate to consumers that these items are healthier. Although truth be told, celery powder, which is almost always used instead, um, it's a non-synthetic source of nitrate and it's potentially just as harmful and doesn't decrease the risk at all just because it's non-synthetic and more quote-unquote natural. Overall, my personal suggestion is that processed meats should be limited in your and your kids' diets. Uh, yes, research is definitely still ongoing and we're still learning about what processed meats may, um, about why processed meats may be harmful. But I believe it's pretty clear that nitrates in any form, whether it's from, you know, processed nitrates, you know, synthetic nitrates or the more natural celery powder nitrates is going to be harmful um, when consumed often. Uh, Personally, I aim for only one or two servings of processed meats per week at most. And like I said before, we've really been doing a lot more vegetarian sausages over here lately. And I also look for sausage links. In fact, I just found one. I think it was from Giant Eagle, but it was their brand of sausage. And I believe it was, uh, I think typically, don't quote me on this, the raw uncooked, the ones that need to be heated tend to not have nitrates. And I know, I don't know if that makes sense, but if you think about deli meat, doesn't necessarily need to be heated unless you're pregnant. It's pretty heavy in, in nitrates, but there are definitely some links out there, sausage links or other types of, whether it's turkey or poultry sausage links that don't have nitrates. They do exist, but don't get fooled by the nitrate free. Just read the ingredients. Look to Look for no nitrates, including celery powder. And the label will typically say, um, if it does say nitrate free, it will still say maybe with an asterisk, still contains natural nitrates from celery powder or from whatever, but it's typically celery powder. So just look to, to limit those for sure. Yeah, that is, I, this one should have gone on our health, health halos episode almost. Cause it I did. feel like, Oh, it, you, did you mention it? I, I teased our listeners. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> good, 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 good. Um, I know we didn't spell it out explicitly, but yeah, I mean, 2020, that's new research, right? I mean, Absolutely. Interesting. Um, yeah, I would say I definitely 
fall into that help halo trap. Uh, so just one oh, thing so to add <laughs> to kind of tease our last episode um, with Feeding Little's uh, podcast host, Mac- Megan McNamee. McNamee? Did I say it right? McNamee? I always thought it was McNamee. Oh, gosh. McNamee. I hope I didn't say her name wrong. Uh, um, but processed meats, when we're thinking first foods, they should be avoided just because they are so highly flavorful um, and probably somewhat nutritionally inferior to other proteins. So if kids kind of first develop a love for processed meats, it's going to be more challenging to then um, insert the milder foods and, and textures, think like white fish or chicken or tuna back into their diet. So just make sure that when you're introducing first foods, new foods, that processed meats are are certainly not at the top of the list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, how does this one? Go ahead. Uh, no, uh, you go first and then I'll add okay. to it. Um, and then I just lost my spot. Sorry. Uh, oh, I'll, I'll read it. Okay. Okay. Number two, how do you feel about other countries um, making their dietary recommendations more plant-based, but the USA won't adopt it? So in other words, other countries are focusing more on plant-based recommendations, whereas the USA tends to kind of stay set, stay stagnant in their recommendations for plant-based, especially in the, in the dietary guidelines. So the question, why do we still recommend red meat and heavy carbs to heart and diabetic patients? I wish politics and lobbyists weren't so involved uh, over what the country recommends our sad diet is truly that. Whoa, I think that was, I completely botched that, I believe. What do, what do they mean by our sad diet? Does that stand for something? I feel like it does. Uh, so, standard like American diet? Thank you. Yes. Standard oh, American diet. Good, good job, Woo! Nicole. Yes. I was like, on the spot, on the spot. Go brain, go. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm pretty sure that stands for something. Our diet, our American diet is pretty sad, but I'm pretty sure I'd heard that acronym before. Okay, so all did you say you wanted me to go first on this one? Yeah, go first because you you have right. I I have more like deep dive. Okay, here sounds good. So I want to first start with what the question with the um, person who asked this question. They said, "Why do we still recommend red meat and heavy carbs to heart and diabetic patients?" I want to say first that I do not agree that a low carb diet is necessary for anyone on a diabetic diet. I believe carb smart, yes, but not low carb. So I just wanted to first start with that. Well, otherwise, is there a number for that? What when you hear low carb, what yeah. number of grams do you think of a day in a day? Oh gosh, I don't know. Under a hundred. Okay, that's. I mean, it's very obviously it varies depending on the person, mm-hmm. but generally to me, I think under a hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know the dietary guidelines. If you if you add up gram per gram with all of the different food groups they recommend and how many per day and per week, it ends up being more like 200 to 250 or something like that. I probably made that up, but I'm no, also that's true. Thinking, I mean, that would be right? a thousand ish calories, right? Yeah. So yeah, that is a, that's a, that's a good amount. Um, but I, I think of someone on a diabetic diet, they don't necessarily need to reduce that, but I think that they need to be more cognizant of their carbs, how many they're getting at each meal, what time they're eating them, uh, and the types of carbs that they're they're eating. Obviously, you know much more about this, but I'm just I just wanted to to hit on. I think that that's a a, a common misconception when it comes to diabetic diet. It has to be low carb. I don't agree with that. Otherwise, I do agree with what uh, this person said. I think it's it's hard for me personally to take the guidelines seriously when I know. And we're talking about the dietary guidelines here, the dietary guidelines for Americans, 
the new updated version just came out in 2020. Um, so they come out every five years. Um, so anyway, it's, I know how heavily influenced they are by big money and politics, like she said. And Lindo Bacon was right. She is the author of the Health at Every Size books when she said, private industry is writing public policy. So on point right there. The dietary guidelines recommend, so to, again, to, uh, to kind of go back to what this questioner was saying. So the dietary guidelines recommends 26 ounces per week of meat. Meat includes beef, goat, lamb, pork, game meat, like bison or deer. And then they have poultry and egg. So, so under their meat category, or I'm sorry, under that category of meat, poultry, and egg, just notice that they've got meat listed first, right? Then after that, they recommend eight ounces, ounces of fish and then five ounces of nuts, seeds, and soy um, for protein sources. So the main, ounce, the main amount of protein they're recommending is basically coming from meat, poultry, and egg. Um, okay. Also, they make it very difficult, I believe, to find the recommendations for vegetarian or plant-based eating. I honestly, when I was going through the updated dietary guidelines, couldn't even find the protein equivalence chart for either plant-based or a vegetarian diets, only for omnivores, which kind of irked me. They kept they kept kept referencing it, but I couldn't seem to find it. I do know and trust that a lot of great research goes into the dietary guidelines. They do come out every five years because they use that five years to do some good validated research. However, it's hard for me to rely on them too much, knowing again how heavily swayed they are by big industry politics and big money. I do use them as a very general guideline. It is, they, they can be helpful for general guidelines. And I do appreciate them for unique subgroups such as women who are pregnant. But otherwise, just like this questioner asked or was, was saying, I'm just not really a huge fan. What about you, Nicole? So I did a little cr crunching of numbers. So mm -hmm. between meat and fish, that's 34 ounces a week which comes out to 4.9, I'll round up, ounces per day. When you put that in perspective, most people are probably exceeding that by a lot. Yeah. Um, so I think that's just one thing to consider. I mean, when my patients start talking to me about, you know, ribeye starting at 16 ounces, I'm like, oh, okay. Um, mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. that's that's just the reality for a lot of people. So I, I think the portion too is, is such a huge piece of this. You know, I come at it from, of course, carbs and diabetics from, from that angle. And carbs and diabetics are a very interesting thing. And I will say because of technology, certainly I've worked in diabetes for 13 years. I know so much more about carbohydrates because of the use of continuous glucose monitoring. And in my practice, I can put one of those monitors on anybody and do a 10-day, 14-day study and look at every five minutes how their blood sugars are tracking and trending. And what I can tell you is that, you know, the quality and quantity of the carbohydrate is is important and also what macronutrients it, it's, all, you know, being served with, you know, day and night. But I think we have to consider that in particularly type 2 diabetics, the intake of carbohydrates also elicits an insulin response. And mm -hmm. in the state of fasting, you know, the, the liver, you know, Glucose release is very, very real um, as, as part of the type 2 diabetic kind of just process. And so I think we have to use carbs strategically in those folks. And I think if you can pair that with continuous glucose monitoring to really individualize carb goals for patients, I will say I, I have gotten much more um, 
just individualized. I, there's no better way for you know to say it with my folks, um, where some of them are are rather low, not low, low, but lower in carbohydrates um, mm-hmm. than I would have previously felt comfortable recommending. And some are significantly higher. And you know, lifestyle, age, um, you know, types of carb, all that's going to play a role. But I yeah. think that you know, just kind of saying carbs are going to cause glucose levels to go up is a very incomplete uh, response to carbohydrates, specifically with diabetics. Yeah, no, I I completely agree with you. And I'm glad you explained that. It is so individualized. I even just think about what you just said for me when when I had gestational diabetes. I had to consume about 130 grams of carbs per day, which is not a lot in order to keep my blood sugars under control, which now looking back, I realized probably wasn't even enough my child was healthy, but, but yeah, I, yeah. So it's, it's good that we have people like you who, who know how to work with people on an individual level, because it does, it really depends on your body, um, how much you move every day, uh, your genes, so many things. So I think that's such a, a valid point. Okay. I could talk about diabetes all day, but just one more thing yeah. to add. <laughs> you know, so diabetes yeah. type two is progressive, right? So we know that it doesn't get easier to manage type two diabetes. It, get, it gets harder. Um, mm-hmm. it, it requires more effort, more medication, whatever it is. And you know, when we think about the progression of the disease, it progresses most quickly through a wider range of glucose levels. So you really want to aim for stabilizing blood sugars, not necessarily um, you know, how low can you go? Like, you know, I see a lot of patients who can start their day fasting at, you know, let's say 75. And if they were to report those, you know, numbers to their doctor or even a diabetes educator, they'd be like, thumbs up, thumbs up. Well, what the heck is happening after your meals? If you're going up to 300 after your meals, mm-hmm. that's a problem. So I think we mm-hmm. can just look at a lot more closely. What is what is the range in the day? And to t- try and minimize those glucose excursions so that we're keeping people healthier long-term. So it's just a much more complete picture. Um, again, and carbs can be hugely instrumental in maintaining that stability or achieving that stability. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All good points. All right. Moving on. Do you want to read number three? What You go ahead and read it. Did you respond okay. or was it just me? Um, no, you did. Okay. We both did. All right. A friend is trying to sell me, is it Arbon? Mm-hmm. Okay. Nutrition stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Some pea protein shakes, which I tried and did not care for the taste. And well, maybe perhaps we we wrote these down wrong, but this does not make sense to me. Some protein shakes, which I tried and did not care for the taste and some, oh, of the Arbon. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it comes with some protein shakes. Um, I, I don't know much about this. So it has some protein shakes, which I tried and did not care for the taste and some green balance powder that says, quote unquote, a concentrated blend of green, red, blue, and yellow fruits and vegetables delivering antioxidants, phytonutrients, and fiber. Ooh, wow. Okay, <laughs> here's the question. <laughs> so if you didn't know about Arbon, now you know a little bit. Sorry, I, I kind of messed that up a little bit. Do you have any opinions on pea protein and those quote unquote, green powders. I know there are a lot of them out there. This stuff is pricey, but I wanted an expert opinion. I suppose if anything, my diet can be a little light on vegetables, especially in the winter. Okay. So I don't know a ton about Arbon either. Um, I know it tends to be rather expensive. Uh, mm, so my, but my first question is going to be, does it taste good? Because <laughs> if it has mm-hmm. pea protein, 
there's a good chance it doesn't. No, I'm just kidding. Um, that's my <laughs> personal opinion in there. Uh, but my second question would be, does it make sense? Um, so we're talking cost, convenience, preparation. Um, you know, pea protein though, it it is nutritious, definitely. When I I know that we weren't provided like a list of ingredients, but also very popular in some of these green powders is a product called mat- matcha. Mm-hmm. Um, I said it right, right? Ma- yeah. Matcha. That's how and, I say it. Yeah, it's found in green tea, very common in kind of these green powdered supplements uh, many times. And I will say research certainly supports matcha's potential in cancer prevention, as well as protection against anti-inflammatory diseases, heart disease, uh, cognitive decline, as well as prevention and regulation of various infectious diseases, including COVID-19, interestingly. Um, And it can also be uh, helpful in regulating carbohydrate metabolism. However, at the end of the day, I would say there are wholesome health-promoting supplements out there uh, that sure can increase antioxidant and photonutrient intake. However, when added to a diet that largely lacks nutrition, they certainly aren't going to be a cure-all. So mm-hmm. when we use them as something like an enhancement to an all, let's say a wholesome diet, I think they we can find a fit, again, if the cost and convenience and taste are there. But I, I don't think, I think where these, the marketing, um, kind of targeted audience is perhaps those that lack um, a bit of, you know, balance, if you will, in the diet, or or there's some opportunities there, particularly with um, fruits and vegetables that are going to contain those antioxidants, phytonutri- phytonutrients and fiber, um, mm-hmm. where this isn't going to quite you know, fully satisfy that that need in the diet, if you will. Right. And and I think in this, the questioner said, I suppose, if anything, my diet can be a little light on vegetables. And I think especially if you're if you're using these types of, of powders to kind of make up for a lack of vegetables, it's one thing if you're doing that and thinking, OK, well, I'm fine. I don't need vegetables. I've got this. I think it's another thing. I think and think a better thing to do is to while you're trying and working on increasing your vegetable intake, you're supplementing with the greens. Um, because you have to keep in mind that the nutrients in whole vegetables and fruits work synergistically. And actually, research is clear that eating the actual fruit or vegetable is much better than eating them in a concentrated form. In other words, after being processed or put into a powder or supplement. Uh, each individual nutrient, such as vitamins, minerals, fibers, and then the millions of phytonutrients that are actually in these plant foods that we haven't even discovered yet, work together in ways that we are still figuring out. Um, and, and that can be lacking in those products, but we know that those are in those whole fruits and vegetables. So eating the actual fruit or vegetable is always going to be best. Uh, but again, maybe it's a good idea to use that powder as a stepping stone as you're working on increasing your intake of fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. All right. Awesome. I feel like I feel like we always get questions on those types of some type of a new diet or, mm-hmm. you know, nutrition thing that is being sold to the masses. <laughs> and I love it because those are questions that probably a lot of people have. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm less helpful there. <laughs> I, I'm, yeah, it, those, we, there's so many We don't know much them. about them. <laughs> yeah, there are. You can't keep up. You with can't. Them. There's impossible. too many. How could you, right? It's, it's exactly. Um, okay. So, any health risks uh, with using soy milk? I'm sorry, this is a question for. Any health risks? <laughs> 
with using soy milk for mixing protein shakes? Um, and would that be different for men and women? Yeah. So I'm going to say, please refer to our episode that was solely on soy and soy products. And it's episode 29, all about soy. And just to recap, studies have shown that soy may have a risk um, when consumed in excessive amount. So it may pose a risk, I think specifically when it comes to, to cancer. Um, but again, when consumed in excessive amounts, generally via supplements, so kind of going back to the whole supplement thing we just talked about, or concentrated forms of things, um, particularly when it comes to soy protein isolates. It's generally best to get soy from whole foods, such as soybeans. This includes milk or tofu, miso, tempeh, edamame. And in addition, it's best to start consuming soy earlier. So think pre-adolescence versus starting to consume a lot post-adolescence. Uh, and that's just what the research is showing. So one of the reasons why maybe people in the Asian countries, Japan, China, for example, they eat a lot of soy from the beginning of their life. And so they have a lot less uh, risk for, or a lot less prevalence of things like breast cancer, not just because they're consuming these whole forms of soy, but because they've been consuming it for so long. Uh, so overall, research strongly indicates the benefits of soy far outweigh any, any potential risk, especially when it comes to soy milk. I would say that's very innocuous and tasty. I, lo I love soy milk, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have nothing to add. <laughs> All right. Okay. Sounds good. And then number five, last question. How do you tactfully bring up food safety regarding not leaving food leftovers out at family gatherings? <laughs> I love this question. I do too. Okay. And I want to ask an additional question of, because you live with Nick, who is <laughs> Mr. Food Safety. What period of time would you start to get a little, little, mm -hmm. mm, like, hey, we should put that away. Mm -hmm. so I, I'm assuming a hot food probably. Yeah. That's a really good question. It depends on a lot of things. First, are we inside or outside? If we're outside and it's summer, like I start to get a little bit after maybe an hour. No joke. Mm, okay. Um, but I also, I, 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 I personally normally don't care. If it's my house, I'm starting to put things away pretty fast. If it's someone else's house, it doesn't bother me because I'm not thinking, well, I'm going to eat that later. I'm just like, well, I, I don't know. It doesn't bother me. Now, then the question is, I don't know if this person who asked this question is thinking, well, I care about my friends or my family who, who, you know, put on this beautiful display of food and I don't want them to eat this food later and get sick. And in that case, I think that's noble <laughs> and I should probably have that same thought. It doesn't hurt. I, so here's what I would say. I would just go ahead and start putting things away. Let's say I'm at someone's house. I would just start putting things away uh, and just pretending like I'm just being helpful and helping them clean up. Uh, obviously you wouldn't want to do it too soon because people like to kind of go back and, and, and nibble. Right. And, and maybe what I would say is before I kind of start cleaning up, Hey, does anyone want to, to grab something more before I start putting this stuff away, uh, in the refrigerator to cool it, to bring it to the proper temperature? I know that sounds super cheesy, um, but I think people would appreciate that. <laughs> it needs to be cooled quickly. So if anyone wants to eat this and not get sick, you know, have at it now. Otherwise, you know, <laughs> I, I think it's a good question. I think that probably a lot of people have this question. I, again, I think it really depends on whether you're inside or outside, whether it's your party or not, how well you know the people, right? But I think 
most of the time when I go to a party, uh, it's someone that I know well enough that I would probably even either just start cleaning it up for them and kind of explain why I'm doing it or just say something to the host such as, hey, you know, I work in food safety or food service. I know this food's probably getting, you know, to the in, inappropriate temperature and it's been out here for a while. If you want to have it for leftovers, you might want to start putting it back. I mean, it. no matter how you spin it, it's going to sound weird and people are probably going to think you're crazy, but it's also the kind thing to do. What do you think, Nicole? Yeah, I totally agree with you. I I think it just comes from an over... I bet it was a dietitian who asked this question. Probably. I just do. <laughs> I mean, I think... But it's a good one. I just don't think people realize. My mom still thaws meat at room temperature. And she's here to tell of it. She's like, I've never had food poisoning. Everything's fine. And sure, it's it probably would end up okay. But... um, you know, there's definitely food safety guidelines for a reason. <laughs> and um, yes. Yeah. So I don't know. I would say my answer would have been closer to two hours. Nick's probably like, no, but that's... well, I think you're right. I think two hours inside, but outside, mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, when we have potlucks or, you know, cookouts outside June, July, August. Yeah. After about an hour, hour and a half, things start to yeah. get just too hot, especially, especially because a lot of those summer side dishes are possibly like mayonnaise based or yogurt based or mayonnaise specifically. It just, yeah. And then it's just not good anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think outdoor sun, that that's where it gets real. Eee. Um, Yeah. But I. It, and it also depends on the food too. Truthfully, if fruits and vegetables are sitting out, I really, that doesn't make me itchy. Like that's fine. Uh, but, you know, a macaroni salad or a potato salad, those types of things, yes, those need to be put away pretty fast. Even things like grilled burgers or hot dogs, eh, it can sit out for a while too. Um, so yeah, I think it really depends on on the food for sure. What you could do to minimize like waste too is just, let's say it's a bunch of burgers sitting out and some people would make the choice to eat those after sitting three hours in the sun. That's on them. Um, But you could put just a couple on a plate and leave them there and then put the rest away. I don't know. You could do something kind of like like if, I don't know, to be polite, but safe. (laughs) I don't know. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. Because the next thing you know, they're going to be like, oh, we have tons of macaroni salad left over. You should take some. I'm going to be like, I'm I'm good. Good. <laughs> I'll pass on that. Ew. And after a while, it just, ew, it doesn't even taste good. Like when people separates. start going back for seconds, like three hours later, it's just gross. It's, yeah. I hear you. Of course, after a few drinks, you'll eat anything, right? Which is what makes it even more dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> don't drink if you're not going to follow food safety rules. Or don't drink if you're going to not follow food safety rules. There you go. Uh, did I say that right? Yeah. No, you totally did. But I don't think anyone's going in, into their first, uh, you know, beer of the night thinking, oh, should I stop? So I can follow the food safety rules. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. I know, slap I know. Happy. You and I are both sleep deprived tonight. All <laughs> oh right, Gina. Gosh, yes. Mom win. Favorite new product or recipe? Okay. Yes. My mom gave me this. Uh, it's from Epicurious. It's called cilantro lime soup. It was really easy. So basically you just, it's just raw chicken that you chop into, you know, little one inch bites and then you roll it in some chili powder and salt and then you cook it and then you add it to a pot with some broth and some corn and some cilantro and some tomatoes. It was really simple. I did mess up because, so I took one bite of it and I was like, what is it missing? I'm like, it's missing salt. I looked at my, the broth that I used. I literally 
bought a no sodium broth. Once again, <laughs> a, 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 an online grocery buying fail. Like, oh gosh, this was not what I meant to buy. Um, so yeah, it needed some salt for sure, but I will make it again. I will not buy the salt-free broth and I will probably add just some crumbled up tortilla chips because I feel like that's what it needed, some crunch. Um, but otherwise it was really tasty and super easy. We actually had it with French bread, which is super random, but just like a real big, thick, buttery piece of hearty bread. So it was, it was a really good, good meal. Are you team soup in summer or no? So I think I've said this before, but Nick doesn't love soup Mm -hmm. and he just kind of gets turned off when I make it. So I actually was like, Hey, he's like, where do we have for dinner? Cilantro lime soup. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) so I would eat soup at any time, especially a summery type soup, like cilantro lime soup. Yum. Uh, But he just, you know, I'm basically suck eating leftovers all by myself because my, my kids, of course, listen to him. They're like, I don't like soup either. Mm, Annoying. Yeah. Well, uh, totally not a food item, but a sports bra. I mm. um, I recently had a little Amazon shopping spree. Oh my Five gosh, me too. Sports bras for thirty six dollars. <gasps> what I know, love the fit, and I don't know about Eugenia, but I like sports bras that have like a cup in them. Just oh heck yeah, <laughs> I don't know, just because it makes my boobs look better, bigger, uh, yeah, better, all of no the boobs. above. <laughs> Um, and you know, there can just be like girl problems if you're wearing a soaking wet shirt anyway. So they're good. But when I wash them and dry them, the cup doesn't come flying out like most other bras and it doesn't get bunched up as bad like other bras. What's the brand? It's It's, just Amazon. It's, I don't know. It's Amazon. I'm going to link it in the show notes. Okay. Um, Okay. I was going to say, I need, so was this a special or are they normally five for 30? I just, I just checked before we hopped on five for 36 bucks. Okay. You, you, you report back after maybe five months. I want to see if these things hold up. We have had a lot of mom wins that have to do with bras. Well, yes. Or exercise, you know, that one, uh, T, what is it? Um, um, CRZ yoga. You love it still? Oh my gosh. I love, I love, Love. yes. I I even have my mom turned on to it. I know. (laughs) They're the best. Their sports bras are good too. And they're really not that expensive. I like them, but they run a little small. So I get mm-hmm. like, I, you know, like chubby girl back problems. It doesn't work <laughs> for me totally, but these Amazon ones really do. So wait, why don't you just buy the next size up? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, is I that should. a dumb question? <laughs> no, no. Um, that's an option. They just yeah. don't have as much elasticity. Sure. I, don't know. I, I want. Yeah. I want the support without the restraint, you know, gotta be a yeah. free woman. <laughs> okay. I think I've said this before, but I don't even need to buy, I could actually save a lot of money. I, I don't even need a sports bra. I could go running five miles right now with nothing and it wouldn't make a difference. I just wear sports bras purely. So I have boobs. <laughs> you think I'm joking. <laughs> you are so funny. Oh my gosh. Um, wait, what was I going to say? Something about, Oh, the CRZ yoga. Something, an, another thing I really love on their site, I actually really, really love their shorts. Uh-huh. Uh, it's hard for me to find a good, good pair of running shorts or just workout shorts in general. I really, I just love their shorts. You they are look stealing cute. my mom win for our next episode, just so you know. This, I am the CRZ yoga shorts? Yes. Yeah. Oh, shoot. Wait, you can't do three non-recipes in a row. Like, you're the recipe queen. Well, you could just go to my blog and do it. Yeah. Is it the, yeah, CRZ yoga, quick dry yes. athletics. I love them. 
the okay. shorts. Yeah, we're gonna link them. Yes. We're gonna link those okay. in the show notes too. Okay, <laughs> sorry, done. We love got plenty CRC. of time to come with something else. Basically, yes, your entire life should come off Amazon. <laughs> my my entire life pretty much does. Does yeah. I know. All right. Are we are we done with that? I We're think that done. was fun. Yeah. All right. So coming up on April 25th, we will be dishing with a husband wife team who are applied behavioral analysts about behavior change and making health habits that stick. I'm very excited about that. Until then, keep in touch with us on social media at Dietitians Dish Podcast on both Facebook and Instagram. And check out all of our episodes and show notes on our website, dietitiansdishpodcast.com. Also, please tell your friends about us. They can find us on numerous outlets such as Overcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Pocket Cast. If you listen on iTunes, be sure to leave us a review. We promise it only takes a few seconds. All right. Until next time, everyone, be well. And Nicole, we'll talk to you soon. Take care, Gina. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening for the podcast. Bye-bye.